Hello, Namaste. I welcome you all to the 42nd session of Guru Bodha with my Ayurveda teacher, Dr. M.D. Guraja, sir. I dedicate this and all of my works at the holy feet of Dr. H. Nishekar Udupa. Uh, Guraja, sir, in one, uh, one of the discussions in another group, was commenting on mixing up of Ayurveda herbs, like traditional Ayurveda herbs, uh, with modern supplements like vitamins and lycopene, you know, green tea, etc., and making it a combination and bringing that to the market in the form of nutraceuticals. So these nutraceuticals are a separate section of products. They are not like Ayurveda medicines to bring in nutraceutical to a market. You do not have GMP license, etc. So it is largely considered as a food supplement product and uh, modern supplements are getting mixed up with Ayurvedic herbs and uh, because they are not considered as, as traditional Ayurveda medicines or even proprietary Ayurveda medicines there is not not much clinical text done on that and the rules are a little bit lax because it's considered on par with like dietary supplements so this is one example of that i mean there are other ingredients i have hidden the brand name and whatnot just for the sake of discussion and also i have seen like aloe vera cinnamon and selenium and uh, vitamins with amla and vitamins with sylvin marianum which is very famous liver tonic uh, largely prescribed by uh, allopathic doctors uh, guraja said is this an attempt to attract more prescribers or more customers into uh, into the Ayurveda fold. Uh, how do you see, see it, sir? See, it's a very typically mentality of the people in the market and in the industry. Trying to read between the lines. There are very clear-cut uh, regulations to be branded as a medicine. And there are some stringent rules to be followed. So in order to avoid those stringent rules, they are trying to take out a via media or something like that. So they have come out with a new idea of combining all these drugs with some food supplement or some nutraceutical or something like that and branding it as nutraceutical. So we need to be very, very clear whether a drug falls under the category of nutraceutical or not or whether it is a false in the category of drug or not, or whether this particular uh, dravya comes under the category of ahara or aushada, that we needs to be very particular about. And once that, that is established, then there should not be anybody who is mixing up these things. For example, if we if they commit with um, amoxicillin, adding with vitamin C, then they, it is accepted as a nutraceutical. It cannot be. Ashwagandha, Shatavari, Haridra, all these type of drugs are combining with uh, silymarine or curcumin or even some extracts from the things or folic acid, biotin or gluteothenin and all these things combinations. Even though they give a scope for a new category of drugs or it may bring out a positive effect on the body or it may be very good in treating the conditions but we should be very much careful in bringing these uh, combinations to the market because if an aerobic drug has to come into market as a proprietary drug, 
it needs to go through a lot of uh, rules and regulations, clinical trials and so many things, toxicological studies, viability studies, so many things. But if it is uh, branded as a food supplement, then easily it can be marketed. Just because of that easily it can be penetrated the market in the name of uh, food supplement, these Ayurvedic herbs or drugs which are treated to be as a viripradhanadraviyas being transformed into a food supplement or a herbal uh, uh, nutraceutical or something like that. It is a little bit, um, you know, I am worried about this. It needs to be still more uh, some stringent laws and uh, some, we need to have some guidelines in this. Present guidelines may be allowing these people to come in this way, but it is not a right type of thing. But of course, for a scientific mind, if it is uh, such combinations are done, what happens that required a broad clinical trial and once it is established, they are safer and they are uh, very good. And then you can you name it as a nutraceutical or a pharmaceutical, whatever it is, you can use it. Whether a particular herb can be used in a dietary supplement or not is a, that demarcation is not very clear even from the authorities. For example, uh, if I'm making like a herbal tea with ashwagandha and I'm marketing it as a food supplement, can ashwagandha be a dietary ingredient which can be taken by millions of people on a daily basis or not? Trifla, can it be taken on a daily basis or not? So, of course, there are some herbs, some spices, etc., which can be taken on a daily basis and we take it, for example, curcumin. But uh, uh, it will be very helpful if, if the government of uh, Ayush department uh, takes up the uh, responsibility of categorizing that if you are using certain herbs, Ayurveda, uh, Dravyas, as dietary supplements, only these can be used and uh, there should be a list which are strictly uh, used only in Ayurveda medicines and not, not in supplements, sir. See, it is not like that. See, Shatavari, Rastimadu, Kurkumin, Saridra, all these things, we also use it as a drug. We also use it certain as a food. So, when such is the criteria, there is no harm in bringing in new combinations. But there should be some laws. We have a very stringent laws for a Ayurvedic medicine to come into market. Whereas, if somebody mixes these things with some other um, phytochemicals or some other biotin or something like this, or like, uh, vitamins or folic acid, and it brand it as a nutraceutical, then it becomes um, the whole idea of uh, drug itself, or Ayurvedic drug itself becomes geoparadise. That cannot be accepted. We need to be very clear on that certain times and demarcation is required and once which is a drug, a particular Ashwagandha or Haridra which is considered as a herb or a medicine which cannot be come under the category of Ahara. Only those things which are in practice since ages which are used as in the culinary substances or the medicinal things which are very sharp in nature, Virya Pradhana but still they are used in the dietary things only those can be given a special status or a category and it can be brought under the combinations of nutraceuticals. Otherwise, Ashwagandha, Rashatavari, Estimadu are being allowed to come into the nutraceutical field. It is, it's not a, quite acceptable. I, I've seen this nutraceutical debate, debate uh, and uh, using it as a shortcut method to bring Ayurveda products into market with combined with vitamins and other things. Uh, Dr. Harish Varma from Canada, I mean, when I was in India, I mean, uh, there was a 
uh, chat with him very long back that he till till he was there he was like fighting it legally and all so the problem is this that even i would have, i would the product is to be brought to the market there are stringent, stringent laws uh, to uh, suppose i want to make a combination of uh, ashwanda with trifala and say arjuna for hypertension i mean just a hypothetical one with sarpaganda for example so i have to prove that all the ingredients that are that i am using are there in the traditional ayurveda uh, textbooks so there is a uh, 50 plus ayurveda textbooks given so i i had to show that exact page number and shloka and all the references and then uh, th- then i had to make the formula how i am making the formula i have to do the ingredients and process and also i had to produce clinical documents proving the safety and also uh, exper- animal experimental documentation to prove the efficacy so safety and efficacy both have to be proven and and after after that the uh, the drug licensing department will take time to go through that and finally they will approve that only then i will market it so suppose i want to use for example vitamin b12 with ashwagandha or an iron supplement with folic acid with say amla or trifala i cannot do that as an ayurveda medicine because they will argue that vitamin b12 is not mentioned specifically in an ayurveda textbook as a traditional ayurvedic ingredient so there are barriers uh, here but in in a nutritional nutritional route because it is a new category they can do whatever they want in the clinical trial requ- requirement is also not there because they are not making any specific claim so it acts as a shortcut method or bypassing method uh, for them and uh, ayurvedic industry uh, is at a disadvantage if that is, that route is allowed it would be a good idea if ayurvedic herb uh, repository or the pharmacopeial index of ayurveda in terms of herbs is revisit revisited and new and newer uh, herbs like modern herbs m- maybe silvan merianum so that can be added into the ayurvedic uh, pharmacopeia and so that it increases the range of herbs that we can use now it is restricted to only certain number of textbooks and we can use only old herbs that are there mentioned in these textbooks probably a little bit of vitamins and other things are included in the range at least it will help ayurveda medicine industry to come up with more solutions see there is one technical issue in that a newer drug if it is there then we need to establish say rasaguna viryupaka we don't have a standard protocol or a tools we can establish with those things so establishing a virya vipaka and all these things of a new drug it becomes a great problem and because it is still in the nascent stage that whether how to come out with the standard protocol of identifying a vipaka in a laboratory model of any drug is very difficult or even the prabhava it cannot can be done only with the clinical trials and of course there are stringent rules and regulations being laid out with respect to the modern medicine the same laws has been trying to implicate in the ayurveda system ayurveda field or even the herbal industry so many times this herbal industry this pattern may not holds good with the chemical drugs and the laws which are related with the chemical drugs may not be holding good with the herbal industry so the, we need to revisit these things and uh, re understand these things and we need to bring out a uh, new areas or uh, new rules and regulations are some uh, ideas to bring out in what way we can address these issues 
if that is achieved first then we can introduce uh, new materials into the materia medica of ayurveda uh, like at least a western herb which is already in in the market for example silvan mary i mean that's used for liver disorders at least there are some clinical studies that uh, or some experimental studies that are done and it's a effect on digestive system or how it acts net effect is hot on the body or cold on the body at least some profile of the herb if it is already established then it can be ayurvedized in terms of rasaguna veeravaka lot easier see that can be done but we, we don't have a standard protocol of identifying each and every drug on those lines that's one point and the second thing is we cannot <clears throat> simply uh i don't know somewhere somewhere down the line some institution or somebody or individually they might have established the these things but we need to give a certain uh, reasoning for that and try to incorporate those things into the materia medica and there should be some regulatory authority which can control all these things and they can just add these new drugs to the indian materia medica saying that it can be this drug can be named in this way and this is containing rasaguna veeravaka and so and it is accepted officially so such type of activity is not taking place so that's the reason we cannot push in or include and there are many new herbs or chemical or western herbs into indian system of medicine at there can be a kind of a committee which is done for example uh, like they, they came up with like ayurveda pharmacopoeia of india volume 1 2 3 4 5 etc and also ayurveda formulary of india was a work from ayush department only so probably a, a, from government if, if a panel is made uh, some work can be done uh, rather than like we individually guessing what could be the rasaguna veeravaka definitely such type of things are required that's the reason many a times many seminars have been conducted and many presentations also done these drugs which are not any exclude included in the ayurvedic um, original classical texts uh, and these things are known as anukta dravya that category has been explained which is not explained in the uh, classical text that's why it's called as anukta dravya but whether these anukta dravya can be taken into ayurvedic uh, materia medica or uh, whether it is accepted officially that is a big question mark uh, that needs to be done with some committee which can handle these things from the times of uh, vedas then to the uh, uh, samhitas to the nigantus lagutrais and what not i mean they have been adding new newer and newer herbs into the pharmacopoeia and i feel that it should continue it uh, officially of course it's anticipated that it should continue but uh, way back from uh, i think somewhere around 16 or 17th century ad onwards i don't think so something extraordinary has been done even in the post uh, independent also we have not included any drugs as such into the materia medica if i'm not wrong ayurveda sara sangraha is the latest of the books which which is written in hindi and that is there in the list of uh, drugs and cosmetics act book uh that was written again like you said in probably 18th or 19th century only so uh, and, and and at least i mean if, if they are allowing this selenium and uh, other kind, kind of mixes to be branded as nutraceuticals at least we should have some amount of clinical studies though it is a nutraceutical uh, category because uh, you know i mean irrational use of ayurveda herbs or even even the modern things like plenty or linseed oil like uh, lycopene etc we cannot be very sure that it is not a viruddha wrong combination just to ensure that the safety of efficacy there should be 
you know guidelines to to make sure that the this is backed by science in terms of safety and efficacy clinical trials and whatnot sir see even in food industry there are many preparations are many even observed even the north indian food diet or even south indian diets a peculiar combinations are made why such peculiar combinations are made and why not the other combinations are not made it is because they have been using those combinations and they felt it is good and that is giving good results and it is not causing any dosa vitiation so based on those parameters they accept from the long back and it is become a tradition and people are using it so when such new combinations are being to be done then we need to understand the drug drug interaction we don't know how um, herbal i mean uh, ayurvedic drug which is viripadana combined with a modern uh, drug or something like that or um, nutraceutical brand uh, like lycopene or even folic acid or grape seed extracts or something like that when these things are combined we don't know how the drug drug interaction takes place and we don't know exactly how it behaves so it may be synergistic effect or it may be even antagonistic effect so in order to understand those things it is better that if such combinations has to be brought in then there should be some new regulations to control those things and while bringing them it should be understood and when a clinical trial is a must for these type of things the problem with allowing it without any research data is that suppose this combination for example causes some side effect in some patient all the blame will come to our humble estimado and all, all things will be will be okay the system is uh, biased against ayurveda a little bit at least in the whole market is concerned considered especially the they they not allow charak charak shapats uh, or they they want to have hippocratic oath uh, i mean the lobby is too much against uh, pure ayurveda see definitely whenever you want to bring it something in the name of ayurveda they are not ready to accept see that's the reason I, when uh, we are go through many things uh, in the history of ayurveda literature ranjit rai desai has brought in uh, some book on uh, sharira kriya wherein uh, he has accepted and mentioned it as uh, pepsin utpadaka granthi so pepsin term has been accepted and it is used by the author but when it comes to rasayana term the same rasayana term is not taken by the westerners or the allopaths or the western medicine uh, followers they made it into uh, immunomodulator or it is a geriatric something like that a new terminology they try to bring it and they don't accept your own terms as it is so it is their uh, very clear nature that whatever you give it they don't accept it as it it should be they'll try to make it in some other way and try to bring in a new terminology and then accept the same thing with that terminology not with your terms that is the thing what they what we we need to understand or observe these uh, observations when we made uh, such type of um, explanation by the westerners even for uh, anti accident scavengers or even uh, free radical scavengers these terms have been used for rasayana they didn't straight away accepted the rasayana term as it is so we need to understand this their mentality is like that very clearly they don't accept or give scope for understanding the ayurveda as it is in its own term that's why they want ayurveda to be also learned or understood in terms of western medicine and i as in that in us fda 
they collect a lot of uh, feedback from the public and they will do uh, uh, random testing on certain laboratories and also they collect market samples and randomly check and if there is any company product is not good they will withdraw it from the market and they will announce it in a newsletter so such system should also be there in both dietary and ayurveda medicine uh, market even for allopathy for that matter like uh, though uh, it is just paracetamol i mean some pharmacy manufacturing paracetamol might have missed a purification step and that that can cause uh, you know an impure drug in the market so to have we should also have some kind of a post market surveillance and uh, you know like a watchdog to uh, to screen through the products that are there in the market and to you know from time to time uh, inform the public about which company product is being withdrawn or recalled sir of course uh, it is a somewhat you know genuine uh, model of uh, existence it should be but unfortunately or fortunately we don't have certain uh, parameter to study or understand for example if a person um, comes out with a product in the market in the name of uh, some xyz containing some chewdum on the composition list outside he will quote there are 10 drugs inside that are we have a system or a protocol or a tool which can identify all these 10 drugs are present in that churna no we don't have once again we need to understand that when such things are there we need to depend on the chemical parameters of those drugs their active principles and whether they are present or that then we need to go for that so it's very difficult to identify that's why there are many times the blames have been posted on ayurveda for example in any condition a serious nature condition by giving an ayurvedic therapy or a treatment patient gets um, you know better and feels comfortable with that and he says about these things that i am feeling comfortable with these medicines then the immediate blame on uh, thing is that uh, definitely they might have used the steroid in that combination so straight away they will blame they are not ready to accept the truth that ayurveda is also a system which is explained and before the western medicines came into existence ayurveda was the only system which is present and prevailing and it was helping the people to maintain their health and even the cure the diseases but their uh, monopoly and their way of uh, penetration to the market and their conveying to the people all so many things they have changed the protocol of understanding ayurveda and they very easily they blame ayurveda without even any studies and especially the the, the steroid taboo never never goes out of fashion like it, it's always there i clearly remember for a bengaluru lady uh, i had given i mean she had knee pain and i had given our compound of allerseen a very wonderful product and within one day her pain was reduced and general notion is that ayurveda medicines will take like at least a week or 10 days to show result but it, it reduced the pain to considerable extent by by the next day itself and she, she was our neighbor in bangalore and she, she came the next day and said that uh, doctor does it contain steroid because the pain reduced just in one day and it, it is like as if questioning my integrity that i have prescribed some steroid drug and so and so it is a question on a wonderful legal ayurveda product in the market so 
an ayurveda doctor is kind of a humble easy target from all directions no he is a simple punch bag everybody can punch him so that is the thing which is happening very clearly when a patient gets a result they'll say these type of things but you try to understand that the usually the people who visit an ayurvedic doctor is one who has already for these type of problems he has reached all other modern medicine systems and the existing systems and when all they shut the door and they said nothing can be done and we don't have treatment or this much only or it is not possible then they will turn to ayurveda so when they come to ayurveda such a type of thing and most of times what we have at our plate is chronic diseases and people expect that when a chronic disease comes to an ayurvedic doctor and we start treating it it takes time three months or six months to stabilize and then it becomes reduced and this has developed and given a clear notion to the people that ayurveda is slow and things will settle down lately but it is not like that it is the disease which has a nature of suppressing see we have sukhasadhya vyadi kashtasadhya vyadi asadhya vyadi and yapya vyadi that categorization we need to understand the condition for which you approach an ayurvedic doctor if it is a sukhasadhya vyadi definitely within few days the result will be there if it is an asadhya vyadi or kashtasadhya vyadi or yapya vyadi then definitely it takes some certain time but just because it takes certain time it doesn't mean that ayurveda is slow if anybody complain that ayurveda is slow i ask them just you come with me i'll give you one tablet and the next morning we will be running to the toilet multiple times and show that it's the efficacy of severity and it is intensity of the medicine uh, i i usually say that you know in, in olden times especially in the times of susuta and all if an arrow arrow uh, entered your chest and came back from the back they used to go to an ayurveda doctor then so you know ayurveda was is and always will be a, i mean it, it is an advanced science you know a thing that you know another formula adopted by the modern people is that suppose a liver case is there and we have, for example hepatitis with liver cirrhosis and we treat it it says that oh it, it it is it was already in the auto recession stage of the disease and it uh, the the remission happened auto it was not just because of medicines it is just that disease itself uh, resided on itself so that's it always uh, if they treat it is uh, treated and successfully treated and if we treat it is naturally happened not because of the drug there is one big proverb is there in punjab that uh, your dog is a dog and my dog is uh, something like that yes. uh, so something like that so always uh, they will uh, feel that uh, so no uh, of course the trend is changing there are some uh, rational thinking minds even in that category they are accepting slowly but of course it's still in a long way to go for people who are interested the punjabi dialogue is like tuwada kutta tommy but mera kutta kutta means your dog is tommy but my dog is just a, i mean the, the reason we are discussing all these things is that is simple that other practitioners who are coming into the market or open up their clinic uh, they should be knowing all the challenges that uh, we face on a day to day basis uh, at least mentally they will be ready to uh, face the issues and coming to the few of the questions and topics that are coming in the chat how do we define a drug because a dravya can be any substance sometimes it is fine line dravya used 
uh, as a food and a drug. For example, amla is, is consumed uh, in the form of pickle or candy also. I mean, the, the legal definition of Ayurveda medicine is that there are two definitions. One is traditional Ayurveda medicine and proprietary Ayurveda medicine. Traditional Ayurveda medicine is that there is a list of 50 plus books. Uh, if the formula is mentioned there, then if you are exactly copying the formula and making it, that is traditional Ayurveda medicine. And if it is proprietary Ayurveda medicine, like I told, uh, the formula need not be there exactly, but the herbs are there. You are making your own combination. So go to the IH department with your a license document with uh, safety efficacy studies and all and they, they will uh, they will uh, they will check and they will approve or disapprove then basically we need to understand one uh, thing that is what is a dravya dravya anything can be dravya that's true fine but which is ahara dravya and which is aushad dravya that needs a demarcation and it has been very clearly said in ayurveda one which is rasapradhana is aushada ahara and one which is virya pradhana it is aushada so very clearly Virya Pradhana Dravyas we cannot consume in a dose or a diet a pattern of a um, food. Uh, anything which can be consumed in the form of a food or a quantity in that nature, then it is usually a Rasa Pradhana Dravya. So that is the basic differentiation between Ahara Dravya and Aushad Dravya. Aushad Dravya is Virya Pradhana. So Virya Pradhana Dravyas we cannot consume in large doses which can be consumed only in small quantities. That's the reason and that's the basic criteria for demarcation between Ahara and Aushada. And also the duration also matters, right, sir? Because, I mean, the Virya Pradhana medicines, they are given to specific diseases. They act in a way to correct the liver function, heart functions, etc. But now once, once a person is healthy, uh, most of the medicines are to be, uh, you know, withdrawn gradually, sir. Definitely. Once the things are settled down, and of course there are parameters, subjective parameters, and there is a clinical I mean, supportive documentation, as well as laboratory findings which support uh, the things, and we can definitely uh, use certain drugs, whichever is required and which is not required, and the function of the drug is over, then that will be uh, removed or withdrawn from the treatment protocol. So I noticed that ragi is a bit constipating and drying to me. Adding a ghee wasn't sufficient to counter it, but I need to take it regularly for some health reason. Someone mentioned that some jaggery is mixed into the uh, mati uh, generally to help. Is this true? See, definitely, ragi is a ruksha and shita dravya. Definitely, it is going to cause a constipation. Even sometimes, some people will develop diarrhea while consuming a ragi because it contains comparatively rich quantity of fibers which cannot be easily digestible in many gut. <clears throat> so based on these parameters, if you observe, definitely it will be constipating and to overcome the constipation, ghee is the special material or the right kind of material it should be added to that. Second thing to add you can into that is the, uh, the milk. So you can take the ragi in the form of uh, milkshake. So ragi malt, something like that, which will not be constipating. And for your nature, if it is causing a constipation and drying type of thing, then you need to introduce ragi into your system step by step, slowly by adopting in a small quantities. You should not simply increase the dosage to uh, shifting from the one to rice. For example, if you are a regular consumer of rice and you suddenly shift to ragi or some uh, jowar, then definitely there will be some problems. We need to understand this step by step you can increase it and of course to mixing with the ragi to in order to avoid its shita guna as well as rukshata 
ghee is the first one second one is the the milk yeah given that millet should not be uh, taken on a daily basis but the but i need to get the ragi for its health benefit on a daily basis because probably it is recommended how many times especially the ragi is uh, reasonable to be used because it is also considered as a millet uh, so ragi also falls into the general rules of all other millets that it should not be used on a daily basis sir no uh, see it's very typically uh, thing is if you are a wheat based person your regular staple food is a wheat then altering from the wheat to any other thing will definitely will cause you some trouble similarly a person one who is um, habituated for uh, rice if shifts to ragi then also there will be problem so it is our uh, basic uh, the way we learned and we developed or we grown up by using these food products and ragi is very familiar and accustomed to the people in particular part of the country and saying about in karnataka in southern part of the karnataka it is a very popular and very commonly used it doesn't mean that it should suit you also anywhere else so when you are told that this is a good type of millet you can use it on a daily basis yes definitely it can be used on a daily basis ragi or the millet this millet particularly is not so harsh and dry compared to other millets or kodo millet or something like that comparedly those things are still drier and uh, it's better you can have this ragi in a step by step manner introduce a ragi powder into the milk in the form of the uh, milk shake something like that then you can go for the ragi balls lately with a small quantity and then slowly you shift on to that then that will be very good uh, doctor so basically like uh, milk i have allergy to it so some uh, somebody who has some knowledge of ayurveda they were mentioning about adding jaggery to the ragi and i even asked that can it be sugar um, but they said no jaggery is better like um, when you make that ragi mudde right so does jaggery also help in countering the drying constipating nature of ragi no it cannot be see okay. first of all when we make ragi mudde ragi balls it is understood that it should be done with the water so usually right. it will be done with hot water but people who want to make it soft they add uh, milk while producing it or making it and okay. uh, um, nobody will have any problem with the desi cow milk if you are in uh, outside india somewhere in the us or uk then you may have this problem with the milk and all those things otherwise in if it is an indian type of thing we don't find any problem with the milk as such yeah we don't find it because it's a desi cow and that milk will not be problematic and don't come because you any allergy so basic right. thing you can add if it is found to you that is milk is the best one and we also prepare okay. uh, in uh, by using ragi uh, we use a little bit of jaggery or even the sugar in the form of ragi huri to we call it that is also been done and that is completely okay even that is also eaten along with dugda or milk but that you are telling the jaggery the purpose of the jaggery in that is not to counter the drying nature yes, it's just for taste or some other reason yes yes okay um, so doctor you mentioned this like ragi the intake 
so i'm not from karnataka i'm from delhi so but few times a week is reasonable right that should not like twice a week is that considered reasonable enough to get the benefits of ragi but at the same time not being too much because it's a millet so it's not something i'm used to daily okay you can start like that because because you are not a habituated with the ragi as it is so you can slowly introduce the ragi into your system okay one uh, twice in a uh, week it is a uh, right a good uh, good type of uh, thing you can go with that but okay what i suggest is don't replace a one time food for ragi that may not be good and that will going to cause you trouble okay the total quantity of diet what you consuming at one time in that some portion you give it to ragi so that will be helping because you will be eating your regular wheat based things along with that limit of ragi you introduced it then that will not be going to cause any constipation or something like that okay okay understood okay and doctor then second question also had was for increasing bone strength babul like they said there's babul gond that resin mm-hmm. it was it is told is good so in what because i have uh, like uh, like in what form can i just like mix it in water and take and then what dosage would be appropriate see the babul gond Gond is a shayad, astringent in nature. That should not be consumed by mixing it water. Okay. But that can be taken in the form of adding with some food materials like ragi or something like that to little bit quantity. But quantity has to be maintained in a proper way. Otherwise, it may becomes much more constipating because that is also stambaka in nature. Babul gond. right so reason behind that why it is using is uh, to increase the bone strength mean because it's any stambakar kashaya pradhana dravya is basically made up of uh, panchabhautik composition it is predominantly with prithvi and uh, vata i mean is uh, one so also prithvi part is there so that is the reason we whenever we use such type of kashaya pradhana dravyas it will increase the bone strength okay so you are saying that one can mix it with other food materials like yes. some vegetable or some ragi like that not yes. with water alone yes. um and, and the dose like 1 gram or half gram or it is better at the lower doses because higher doses may cause constipation okay so something like 250 mg or something okay and doctor last question which i had before leaving sorry i actually have another meeting to attend i'm already little late this um in ashtanga hridayam uh, sutrasthan verse for uh, this um, sutrasthan the uh, matrashitya adhyaya it says the like verse 42 43 it mention about rice wheat other things which one can take daily uh the only other sukadhanya which was mentioned in that was yava which i think is the modern day barley what so what about supplements like i mentioned for bone strength uh, like things like water chestnut flour and this amaranth flour so this what kind of frequency is good for a general person to take these uh, water chestnut is that shring uh, shringataka hmm. i i do you must be familiar with it's yeah. a trap yeah okay so shringataka or the water chestnut is trapanatans botanically yes. 
and it is in the northern india usually they use it as a fruit they i mean edible and uh, it's a fresh one and it is also its atha is available in the market and it is used on the various uh, ekadashi as and yes. whenever it is done they use it and typically this um, um, singada atha and all these things have been explained as a medicine in ayurveda to a large extent and people they want to give it change to their system they have introduced this is the concept of uh, ekadashi is also like that because you're every day you're regularly eating the same type of food body also needs a certain rest and something else so they need to go for an alternative things and that's why they mentioned it as upavasa or something like that alternatively they will go consume little bit of other type of uh, food stuffs so similarly in northern india when regularly they consume uh, gehu and that is wheat and sometimes they go for this singada atta and all those things in the vratha what we call as upavasa something like that along with that the important reason being um, to improve the you know bone strength it is not just simply taking the supplements supplements if it is taken in that needs to be digested and absorbed into the body so that requires a good quantity of agni inside if agni is not present then whatever the supplement you give it it is waste point number 1 point number 2 whenever there is a typically mamsa dhatu agni is more stronger then it also helps to maintain the asti dhatu so that's the reason if you want to increase the bone strength you need to have a little bit of vyayama or usage of muscles if you use muscles then totally they uh, see whatever the system can, comes with the prithvi pradhana dravyas that will be absorbed and made into a bone strength a materials so it is just not simply by giving some supplements the things will be settled down it requires a lot of other things and we need to expose ourselves to sun in order to get the vitamin d and in the presence of vitamin d from the sun rays that will help the calcium and other things to bind things and we have a bone binders or calcium binders which will bring these material to the place where it is required so all these things takes place with a lot of issues so we need to have a balanced activity of selectively drug taken in a selective doses in a pattern which suits us that's the reason and of course to understand whether the, our dosage is um, going in the right direction or not we can once in a while go for a laboratory establishment of uh, vitamin d and even the serum calcium and such other things okay so you are saying that these uh, uh, ekadashi vrata flowers that we use like this water chestnut the singoda flower or rajgiri flower these actually are virya pradhan they are actually medicines and they should not be consumed like halwa or some puri or some those those because the agni if it is mandagni then it will make problem only better is to do some vyayam like you said um and uh, get the sunlight so those are more important than taking these products like these ingredients all product whatever you take it for the purpose of bone health until unless if you don't do proper exercises and expose yourself to sun rays then it will be waste okay okay thank you so much doctors namaste and and regarding the millets sir i have a theory that uh, if someone it's heavily marketed and and everybody will be tempted to try out millets uh like one point that you raised is very valid that it, it should be done slowly and you know there should be gap it should not be suddenly taken every day and replacing meals and what not but 
if you are trying to adopt a new millet or new food ingredient probably uh, we should pick when uh, pick the season when agni is very good uh, like uh, in uh, autumn uh, where pitta is little dominant and also in winter when agni is good probably those seasons are better to try new ingredients rather than trying in monsoon or in uh, uh, kapha season like spring where kapha and uh, uh, kapha will be more and agni will be less yes definitely comparatively using these new table things during the period when we feel that agni is more that is in autumn and winter season we should avoid as much as possible in spring and grishma and varsha rutu during this time it should be avoided and uh, new trials and of course once again in this if a person one who is trying is a very young definitely will have a very good agni he will have good agni if it is in a pitta pradana kala and if he is a old age person automatically his digestive capacity has dropped down and even in winter he may not able to consume much more so all these issues are there it not be a single factor it's always multifactorial and we need to understand all those points the role of this uh, uh, role of an ayurveda doctor as nutritionist is, is a, such a lively thing that we can a, a new ayurveda practitioner can take right uh, because you know i mean there is this standard nutrition like modern nutrition that is there available but combining that with these ayurveda principles uh, an ayurveda doctor who wants to concentrate only on that can really excel really well See, there is a reason. There is a certain things called as a um, tailor-made things for everything. It, Ayurveda is not tailor-made thing. It is uh, customized to each and every individual. We need to customize that. We need to guide based on the entire history what we take while doing the things. We try to analyze his prakriti. We try to analyze his place of birth, where it is, where he has grown, and what he is doing, and how it is. Dina his dina charya, how his ratri charya, and everything we take into consideration. then we try to adopt a total protocol where we uh, give medicines we also suggest some modifications in lifestyle we also suggest them uh, some uh, uh, changes in the food pattern and even uh, so many things even the patya ahara kalpana everything we suggest to them as an ayurveda doctor that's the reason when these combinations are very neatly combined we get a very wonderful results any public person who want to watch this in youtube you want like dietary fine tuning or if you want a dietitian probably an ayurveda doctor is a, a good choice my question was that we understand that millets are drying in nature and etc etc one of the ways that has helped me is number one i if i need to cook millets like rice i soak them overnight and then when i cook them i use uh, adrak and i use uh, curry leaf and even some halwa uh, so will something like this balance uh, the you know the possibilities of balances that millets can create in our systems see very uh, clearly understand these points most the millets are comparatively ruksha in nature dry in nature and that dryness varies from we can say for example for understanding purpose dryness to the degree of 1 dryness to the degree of 2 and dryness to the degree of 3 so in that understanding all the millets are in dry in nature they are ruksha in nature so whenever such ruksha is there means it contains more number or more quantum of uh, you know uh, fibers in that so that's why it becomes more dry in nature 
and such type of foods which is uh, dry in nature and which is uh, difficult to digest in the gut and it is causing trouble in order to overcome those difficulties of eating so we are trying to cook them in a very typical manner and because these are very dry in nature they lack in moisture content so that's why we soak them heavily for a longer duration in more quantity of water then we cook it and while cooking we add something which is agni improving things like ardrak ardraka or shunti and something like the jeera so all these things will improve the um, whatever the preparations we are preparing it will be digested in, inside our gut in a very uh, typical manner to improve that agni we are adding these things so it is a typically a right kind of things to do it depending upon your understanding and your taste and your um, place where you are staying and all this season keeping in uh, these things in mind you can make a combination of either shunti or either ardraka fresh ginger or jeera or even hing that's combinations with the millet so that it can avoid the pain or digestion related issues later when the, the millets are consumed so doctor um when we are talking about millets so the question comes because nowadays everybody is trying to divert their uh, you know rice and wheat uh, especially the uh, person with a diabetic is millet is good with the diabetic uh, conditions uh, definitely rice and wheat and definitely that's the situation what is the protocol for this dryness uh, because sometimes it creates more dryness for diabetic person is that good or not see that's the reason prameha or diabetes or madhumeha it is due to the excess kapha in the body so when there is excess kapha there will be more snigdhata in the body or anxiousness to so in order to overcome that the people are suggesting a millet type of things and because these millets are comparatively drier and they have less madhurata in that and more fibers it's not easy to digest and delays uh, the digestion process so thereby absorption of glucose is reduced when millets are consumed so that is the reason they are telling that because it also contains a less quantity of uh, glucose compared to wheat and rice so but thing is you observe that all millets do contain some glucose but only thing is their absorption will be delayed because of the fiber content in that and your system is not ready to digest them when we suddenly give it it may take certain time and yeah. people are their people are very much accustomed to eat ragi or something millet in particular part of the world and similarly in certain part of the world there people are very clearly and they are able to eat bajra they are very easily digest the jowar these also bajra jowar also comes under the falls in the category of millets Okay. So the ruksha in nature. So in entire concept is that we need to give the ruksha pada. I mean, when there is a ruksha dravya is being given, we need to cook it more with more water. And intention of uh, introducing a millet in a person who is suffering from diabetes is just to overcome the anxiousness or the kapha tattvas in the body. But we need to monitor these patients regularly in order to. understand the what the changes happening inside the body when we introduce these things over a period of time when uh, comparatively these uh, millets are used patient start controlling the sugar levels 
and of course lately of late he starts complaining of pain in the joints or feeling something something dryness in the body something like that then that is the time that you need to understand that how to reduce these millets to some other lower end on the positions so we need to understand these things and of course it's a regular pa pattern of um, evaluating the patient each and every time then adjusting the system so you need to adjust them with the quantum which you have prescribed earlier if it is causing a quite good sufficient uh, reduction in the blood sugar levels and patient is complaining of something like pain in the joints or something like that then you need to reduce the quantum of millets that's the reason how we need to balance the uh, protocols okay so the basically uh, you have to make sure uh, when you we give you a suggestion for a millets to start is it better to tell them that okay start with once a week and see how you feel or start with a twice a week having replacement of a rice or replacement of a wheat and then try or can you mix with a wheat and a rice suppose if they are doing a flour a bread and you tell them to mix with a wheat flour is that better way or uh, just have the billet flour uh, itself to introduce usually in my patients i suggest them in a very clear manner see these millets can be made into kwathachurna um, something like that with a rough structured uh, powder forms can be done and a very right. fine powder can be done so i use usually tell to my patient to mix those things for example if you are preparing a cake or pancake it's called as a roti in kannada in here so when right. we add um, the rice flour uh, doing these things then i said okay you mix 50% of the rice flour and 50% of the ragi millet and make a um, pancake so that will be good uh, for the introductory things or something like which can be introduced and thereby reduce the load of glucose from the source from the starch from the uh, you know um, rice portion and you can introduce these fibers as well as the benefits of millets in the form of 50% so don't try to replace in any person suddenly the entire diet of one time with a millet that will going to definitely cause you trouble okay it, 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 is, it is always better mix up with the existing pattern 50% of that and 50% of this then mix it up for example if you have suji or rava um, from that you can make a um, powder of these things millets in that fashion mix it with that and prepare upma so something like that you can add both these things 50% then do it or maybe 70% 30% depending upon the requirement of your understanding 